0: Today on First Lady and Friends, we had a beautiful conversation with a new friend, Kristen Andrus. She is doing incredible things in the community, but also shared with us her amazing passion projects. Can't wait for you to have this conversation with us. Let's get proximate. Welcome to First Lady and Friends. Uh, we are thrilled to be here today. We have an amazing guest. Um, she's a new friend of mine in the last little while. Uh, we have gotten to know each other through, first of all, I think through our campaign. Mm-hmm. And then beyond that, we've, we've really participated on some projects together. And she's actually, her name is Kristen Andress and many of you know her. Um, but she is on our show up Utah board and we're thrilled that that she's there and we've been doing a lot of projects together and it's just been so much fun for me to get to know you, Kristen. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Let's get into this. Um, for those of the, that don't know you most of a lot of people know you from social media, your big presence on social media, uh, Instagram, Instagram, um, so let's so for those of those that don't yeah <laughs> that have been living under an Instagram <laughs> rock um let's let's talk about your background where did you grow up um tell me about your family and and all those kinds of things
1: Yeah so I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area Walnut Creek California and um As a lot of parents from out-of-state want, they want you to come to BYU, and at the time, BYU was not my thing, so I came to University of Utah as an out-of-stater, and I actually loved my time here, and uh, it was amazing, and then I moved back to California, and then worked and many years later met um, Jeremy Andrus, got married, and he had started with Skull Candy, which was a startup out of Park City, which brought us back to Utah. I never expected it, and it was always going to be a short-term gig. And so it's kind of like, oh, we'll be here for a year or two. And as Utah does, it sucks you in. And so just a couple of years ago, we've been here 15 years, and I told him, Okay. I think we're going to stay. <laughs> uh, we love it so much. I'm a California girl at heart, but truthfully, I'm especially with what's been going on lately and COVID. I'm thrilled to be in Utah. I love it. It's become you know home and just such a wonderful, inclusive place that we have um, really grown to love. And both of us are not from here. So it's been really fun to make it our home.
0: And your husband grew up in California as well? No. Nope, he grew up mostly in the East Coast. So he mm-hmm. was... Um, Boston,
1: Maryland for high school, kind of moved around a lot, but um he he loves Utah even more than I do. <laughs>
0: that's that's so cool. So tell me about your your parents, siblings, where, yeah, yeah, so where...
1: I, a couple sisters in California. I do have a brother here. My parents are still in the Bay Area. Um we grew up it kind of a typical Bay Area family, lots of I was a synchronized swimmer actually. Oh no kidding. Yes. And so I um Did that competitively and uh, was on the junior national team. I traveled the world doing that um, throughout high school. And then when my senior year came and it was, do you go to college, which, you know, I was kind of looking at the U, or do you stay at home and train to go to the Olympics? And it was kind of one of those big decisions in my life that I decided I'm done and I always say I'm waterlogged. My kids are like, why don't you get in the pool? Why don't you get your hair wet? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm waterlogged. I did morning and afternoon practice my entire life. I had to jump in a cold pool 5,000 times. I don't have to do that anymore. So I decided to go to college and uh, put my swimming career aside, which I'm thrilled I did. It was definitely the right decision, uh, which led me to Utah and then and then back to Utah when we got married. Hmm. Well,
0: so that's really interesting that, you know, I I grew up with... I played uh sports in high school. I wasn't great, but I watched people that were great and and I watched the coaches and I I remember there was this one particular friend of mine that was just she was incredibly talented. And I remember thinking, "Oh, she's going to, you know, D1 sports. She's going to be doing all this." And then she did she got to the end of high school and said, "Yeah, I'm done." So is it a, is it a burnout thing? Is it putting too much I mean, is it putting too much in one sport? Like, what right. was it for you?
1: You know, it's such a fine line. And this was, I'm 42 years old. So this was back in the day where we weren't putting all of our eggs in okay. in one basket like we are now. I look at my daughter who's a gymnast and dancer and their, their practices right now are insane. But this was, I was actually exceptional in that I practiced so much. Okay. Where it, feel, it felt like in high school people would you know, I guess gymnasts have, have, right, but notoriously done that. And I think it's burnout. And I'd say the same for synchronized swimming, because we were doing that at such an early age and 10 years into it. It was also that you devote your whole life to it for what, you know, at the end you kind of realize, and and you realize actually it's for uh, learning to work as a team. And it's, um, there was actually so much I gained so much from doing it. It kept me out of trouble, which is You know, half of it. Um, It keeps you really busy, engaged, uh, friendship, learning to work with a coach, um, traveling the world on my own with a team. Like I just develop self-confidence and then obviously performing and hard work. And there's a hundred different things that it did for me. Sometimes I wonder, wow, did I miss out on some of my high school experience? I did, but I'm wondering maybe that wouldn't have necessarily been a good thing either because you want to be busy, but then that over busy, which I think a lot of our kids are now can be detrimental, yeah. and so I really think there's that fine line. I have a daughter who's um, kind of artsy and guitar and singing, and I don't think she has enough to do. But then I have a dancer who is overbooked for sure, and so I'm always trying to find that fine line. And I think with my swimming, it was way too much, but it ended up it ended up being okay. So I do think um, in some sports there's definitely burnout, and you're just ready like for the next chapter.
0: Mm, yeah. Well, that's a, it's an interesting thought about your kids and how how what the what the balance is i i read a book called range recently mm-hmm. and it talk it was it started out talking about like tiger woods and a roger federer who you know you've got a professional golfer and a professional tennis player and and tiger was like from two that's all he did yes. and where roger federer had played soccer, did all this stuff, really didn't pick up tennis till a little bit later. And even then wasn't like crazy into it. And so I've thought a lot about our kids now. You know, with our kids, it was like, well, what can we find that they're pretty good at? Yeah. <laughs> right. that, so, that too. We didn't have the, you know, like. Which sport are they going to be? You know, do they have to pick? It was like, what can we find that you know that's probably not sports that maybe they still feel some confidence in? Yeah, absolutely. But I but I think that's you know, as a mom and as parents, it's it's that balancing. How do you how do you do that? What's what's your strategy with your kids?
1: My strategy is if they ever tell me they if they're in if they're heavily involved in something. And they say, I don't want to go today that I'm like, you, you need to decide, like, are you all in or are you not? Because I have six kids. I am driving you guys around in a hundred different directions. And if you're not all in, in this sport or whatever it is that you choose, um, then, then we're, we're not going to be like, and so my daughters that are, I have four daughters and my sons are young. So they're not, they're in a hundred different little funny things right now. Cause they are five, um, But my daughters that are all in, which is soccer and dance, they want to go 100% of the time. They never say, I want to stay home. I'd rather play with friends. It's something that they're super devoted to. And so I am on board with that. Mm. The minute that they kind of start saying, I'm bored. I don't want to do it. I'd rather hang out with my friends. And it's like, that's great. I am totally okay if we quit and move on to do something else. Because I actually Mm. really am. Like, I don't need my daughter in 15 hours of dance a week. But she chooses it. Mm. And so I will support that. But as soon as things start changing and when she, you know, wants to not take a couple classes this year, I was thrilled because all of her friends were taking more classes and she chose less. And I thought that's great. What a good balance. So I'm just supportive of where they're at. Um, And also like one of my daughters was in gymnastics and literally burn out at the age of nine. Yeah. It was so intense. And I was so grateful that we made that change at nine and not 13. Yeah. It gave her so many years back and so many hours that yeah. we had back with her. So I, I really have it like child directed. I would mm, say, I like and that. I support them as it goes. But if they're pulling back, we're going to make a family decision on you know mm. what that
0: means. Well, you look at the, what happened with like Simone Biles, and I oh, didn't that. Oh. I mean, because I did gymnastics when I was a kid, and for for me it was like I. I lived in this little small town and there just wasn't opportunities and my parents didn't have the money right. to like do more than what we were doing. I was like bummed because I would have loved to to keep going. Also that I got really tall and right. <laughs> <laughs> not really. I mean, I'm not that tall, but for the a gymnast, gymnast, I'm yes, five, yes. seven is really tall. Yes. Um But I but yeah, it's an interesting thought about how we sort of balance these things and,
1: well, and, and, and we're our own worst enemies. Like in the end, us as parents are the ones that have driven this. I've always said there's, there's this A, right? Where you're 15, 20 hours a week, soccer, football, volleyball, whatever it is. And then there's like wreck that's maybe an hour a week and you, don't really develop. I'm always like, where's the B team? Like, yeah. where's that team? That's like, maybe it's a couple hours a week. It's awesome. It's not super uber competitive. Cause I think parents dry, especially in Utah, we have so many kids here. Yeah. I feel a lot of mom and dads as I look like I'm not that dance mom. That's pushing, pushing, pushing. I'm kind of on the sidelines and I'm like, it's some of those parents, which, you know, I'm not judging them. I'm just saying we really push for this extreme, extreme, extreme. And a lot of us the majority of us are probably okay with the B team, yeah. and our kids well, kids are, are thrilled with the B team. With the B team. <laughs> yeah. And in the end, you go to college, and you're like, "What did we? What did we do this for?" Yeah, not many of our kids are going on scholarships. To exactly. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, and I remember in uh, my my husband's sister was like really into volleyball and was she was great she was really good and i remember a friend of theirs said hey you know you need to get into these club leagues and you need to and again we're in a small town so it's like it's it's not just going to it it's driving for an hour and a half before you get there and then driving home and this is a couple of days a week and 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 so i remember her saying to you know this friend saying like you need to do this get her in these club leagues you know and it's like the money it's so expensive and I remember just thinking to myself if you if you saved up all that money that you spent on the club league because she was talking about scholarships like you though she'll get a good scholarship da 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 and I was like um you the money you so I'm just not sure you know economically <laughs> if it actually is worth it you know because right. the amount of money you spend you could put that into a, an account for you know like a uh education savings account or something oh, and I'm like I don't know the time <laughs> the time oh, and the gas yes. <laughs> that you're yes. in the car anyway so it's is it's an interesting sorry that's totally a side conversation yeah. but I think it's an important yeah. one that yeah. you know as parents we're we're all sort of grappling with and I remember my son was just playing little league baseball and loved it absolutely loved it. he had a great coach he had this team that kind of stayed together the whole time And they got really good and this coach was just fantastic and he just got the best out of these boys and it was such a good experience. And then he was kind of at that age where he was maybe just in middle school and it was they're like, Oh no, you gotta start going to all these tournaments where you drive everybody you know, you gotta do these club leagues and da da da. And my my son was just like, I just wanna play summer ball. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's B. the B team that's that you're the B talking team about. Keep talking. Yeah. It's not
1: even. It's not even the B team because they're still really good. They just don't choose to go all in. Yeah. I. Yes. I'm going to start that.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Seriously. It's, I think it would be really popular. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's frustrating to them because yeah. I mean with Gav it was like man I just just really like playing yeah. you know two months of summer ball yeah. or whatever it yep. is and I don't. And I don't it goes need away to make age. this my life. Mm-hmm. I just am having a good time. Yeah, it's <laughs> so true. So anyway, well, we could talk about kids and all <laughs> this forever, but we uh, we want to get into some other topics when we come right back. We are back here on First Lady and Friends with my friend Kristen Andress, and um, so let's let's get into. We've talked about kids. We're talking about families. Um, you and your husband met post-college in California? We actually met, uh, we both
1: flew in to a wedding in California where I'm from, but neither of us were living there at the time.
0: Oh. But yeah. And so it
1: was, it was, so it was, it was just fortuitous. sort of a chance. Yeah. I knew the bride and he knew the groom and um, we ended up being sat at the same table and he said, Jeremy Andrus. And I said, Wait. I have Andresses that go to my church in Walnut Creek and it was his grandparents. So I've known his grandparents my entire life. I knew a bunch of the aunts and uncle, but like I mentioned, he's an East Coast Andress. So I didn't even know that his family existed and he's eight years older than me. So we never, you know, ran into each other until this wedding and then um, dated for a very long time. And
0: then we got (laughs) married. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, Spencer and I were well, if you can count on a mission dating, but it was <laughs> we were we we hung out a long time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I always you, say to people, say we've been that. hanging out a long yeah, time. You can say that about <laughs> us as well. <laughs> um so then you you met you, you long 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 dating period. Yeah, so we were long
1: distance. I was in Southern California, he was in San Francisco. He's kind of a spreadsheet guy and so marriage isn't there's not like a <laughs> spreadsheet answer to uh, to picking the right one. So, anyways, I I did hang around long enough that we ended up getting married. He had joined Skull Candy; he was a third employee at Skull Candy up in Park City, and I was imagining us in this San Francisco apartment, which is you know in the area that I'm from. I was so excited, and so when he took his Subaru and headed out to Park City, Utah, I was like, "What? You're going where?" And I mean, I joke that we thought it was a candy company um, when we first got the call about it. And he gave up his job and uh, took a chance. And so we moved out here uh, right after we got married. And I guess you could say the rest is history, but there, yeah. there's a
0: lot. There's a lot <laughs> years and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so then you start having children right away.
1: So yeah, so let's see, um, I was running a Curves Fitness Center okay. uh, when we came here, I thought I want to do something, I would worked, you know, I didn't have kids until I was 28. And so I had a lot, we had traveled a ton and had so much fun and I would go with him to China and Hong Kong and Russia and like all these places with skull Candy and on our own and So it's kind of like, oh, okay, you know, we should be having kids. I'm 28, which doesn't seem as old now, but 15 years ago it was. And uh, he was busy, head down, traveling, gosh, probably 200 days a year, never home before nine o'clock. And so I so I get pregnant with my first um, and it was really, really hard. I have six kids now and I tell people that one child for me was so much harder than six kids Mm. is now the husband who worked who had you know big ambitions um and I I laugh because I look back and remember this conversation where he I mean it's a startup right it's you're you're all in and every time he got home late every time he told me he was traveling I think I'd cry and like it was just a disaster and so um he sat me down and was like okay I can go get a nine-to-five job if you are not in, I cannot do this. Like, are we in this? Is this team Andrus? or is this Kristen kicking against the pricks every single time, yeah. every day? And he was kind about it, but very straightforward. And I was, and I was really called to repent. I was like, Oh my gosh. He's like, I am, I am fighting against him. And this is what I want. This company and this opportunity, we had no idea what it was going to bring, but I could tell there was something special and it was bringing opportunities to our family that you know, he, he joked like I could be a librarian. Is that what you'd prefer? Cause that, that seems what you want. And, uh, I said, no, I'm in. And that really changed the course of our marriage of like the teamwork mentality that we have. And I talk a lot about marriage now on Instagram and I laugh cause if you could have seen us back at, um, Cucina Toscana having this conversation 14 years ago, we were, you know, we were not the couple that we are now. Mm, okay. So it was kind of interesting watching like our path and, and him coming to me in a really kind way and saying, like, are you in or are you out? Because if you're not in, I can't do this alone. And so we've really taken that and run with it, which has been fun.
0: I love that. And I, I think it's a lot the way Spencer and I have operated, too. I mean, I think people always are surprised, at least and before now. I mean, I think they know now that this is kind of how we operate. But I think, I mean, in the political world, you know, you just didn't. There's there's times I've never met somebody's spouse because it's like oh, yeah. they just don't kind of do things together or it's not sort of a team effort. It's just like you're doing your thing yep. and I'm doing mine. And then, you know, however that comes together, which is fine. I mean, that's right. Again, it's no right or wrong totally. way to do things. But, you know, Spencer and I, I think have that similar sort of we're kind of in this together I mentality. I can tell.
1: Ab- Yes, absolutely. So,
0: so then Skull Candy gets sold. Yeah, so we end up going public. It's a rough go.
1: And um, he ends up taking a year off. And we say it was- What's around- that like? Oh, well, <laughs> it was off. He was actually like working with Solomir Capital and he had a bunch of like meetings, but he was working from home, which at the time was absolutely unheard of. Right? Yes, right. This <laughs> is um, probably nine years ago. And um, so he took on the thing with Solomir and really just spent a year trying to figure out what's next. And really that was like, what company are we going to buy? What are we going to do? And we traveled and we, it was the best year ever because it also recentered us. Mm. And it was really great because we could look back and say, what did we do right this last eight years? And what did we do wrong? And how would we do it differently? And so it really mm. was this cool reset, which a lot of Families don't get.
0: No. And
1: I, he's such a, he's such a centered, grounded man, which I am so grateful for every day of my life, that he took a lot of self inventory and completely did it differently when we bought Traeger. So, what happened Mm -hmm. is a year later, we bought Traeger Grills, uh, which actually was a disaster for the first couple of years that no one really knows about, but it was, it was really, really hard and we almost walked away. And, and then we bought it outright and then we're able to move it to Utah and do what we wanted. But he set it up in a way that was like family first. Um, I I can't be involved in every single thing. It, it, it just, he really looked back and I think it's so important for all of us to do that, right? Like, how did I do it right with my first baby or business or whatever that may be? And how can I do it better this time? And when you really can be thoughtful about that, it can really change the course of how, how things go. And that absolutely happened with Traeger and with our life and family and, you know, allowed me, it was fun. I was, I was really involved in the beginning and I kind of had to be, cause it was small and new. We literally got rid of every employee in Oregon and totally re um, hired everybody here. So it was neat to be a part of the beginning, but I had two kids at that time and ended with six. And so I was busy oh. doing <laughs> other wow. things as well. And um It's been such a fun gig, though, that our family is obsessed with, and um, it's been just so much fun and so much fun to see the growth and
0: Yeah, and so you've you've um, more involved in the beginning, Uh less involved over time with the with the actual business, but then your focus shifted, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. So we had a couple of um, you know, I guess you could say like successful outcomes where you know, things we sold part of the business and different things. And um, I don't even know exactly how it all started, but I remember I was on a spin bike and I, we, I got the text from Jeremy, like transaction completed, meaning we sold like half of Traeger or something like that. And I thought it was going to be elation and excitement and, oh my gosh, this is, and I literally bawled my eyes out Mm. and the heaviness and responsibility and weight of like what that meant really weighed heavily on my heart. And I thought, I literally remember sitting in my car thinking we can choose one direction and buy a car or a house or clothes for my kids, or we could give back. And so I called Jeremy and I'm like, let's go down to the Shelter, that, And we went, we picked mm. up our kids from school and we went and bought a bunch of food and we went to the teen shelter. And we've never looked back. Like that's just what we do and it's who we are. And it's become, it used to kind of be a hobby. And now that all six of my kids are in school, I joke that it's become my day job, which is like eight day jobs. Yes. <laughs> <with> <laughs> many different organizations. And I'm in love and so passionate about giving back in my community, our community. Yeah. now, Yeah.
0: So cool. And I think Utah is known that's sort of it, it they' we're known for for that you know in in our in our corporate world I think it's in our DNA yeah. which i think is beautiful um that you guys have have done that and and that you're working through that um how did how do how do your kids deal with that and how is your how yeah. do you, how have how has your family changed through yeah, that
1: that's a great question so I love it because I'm such a big fan of my kids being uncomfortable. I want them to be in situations and in apartments and neighborhoods that they're not used to. And so I always say we try to get out of our bubble as often as possible. And it's really important to me. We mentor a refugee family and we do different things and I'm bringing my kids with me as often as possible when we go to the neighborhood house and do dinners. I want my kids there. Um, and I I laugh because when they're like, I'm hungry, I'm cold. And I'm like, perfect. That's exactly how I want you. Yeah. Like you are last in line for the food and you're cold. But well, guess what? When we come back in a month from now, these kids are still going to be here enduring the same thing, going through the same thing. And like I, so I love bringing them along with me. Any chance I get, I absolutely do, whether it's with the food bank or the road home, we do meals. And I, what I do love is we also do things that like are meaningful to our family. Yeah. And so we're not trying to save the whales because whales are not important to our family. And that's not going to like stick in our philanthropy and our giving back model of what works in our home. But we care about food and we love to cook and we love kids and we love single moms. And we love like we've just found these passions in our family that becomes, you know, we love primary children's hospital and um Ronald McDonald and one of my daughters loves doing that. And so finding things that your kids love, my kids never push back going to these things, which is really cool. But it's also become part of our family culture and they honestly don't know any different because we've been doing it from a young age.
0: Yeah. Also I I love that and I, I think it's so beautiful to have your kids, you know, seeing that and experiencing that um one thing that I've noticed about you too is that and I think most people probably have if they follow you on on instagram and, and social media is um you're kind of you're you've kind of um do this thing where you you love to host, yeah, you love to have parties and yeah. dinners and you like you said centered around food, but um the experience I had was that you you also. It's not just that, but it's this really connecting with people. And tell me a little bit about your, your conversation starters at dinners. This was, this was super fun. And I I just think it's such a great idea. Yeah.
1: So we do. And what I love too is I talk, it's funny. My first Instagram was actually called life at my table. Okay. And that was so many years ago, but I look back and I'm like, my Instagram is still life at my table. You know, like it it actually like I love that that still rings true so many years later. Um, And so I have people like you and dignitaries and amazing, famous people. But I also have and I also have people that are struggling and going through hard things. And so I really, I want my table to be full of people that are different than me, that look different than me, think differently than me, can teach my kids things that I could never teach them, that have life experiences that I will never have. So that's super, super important. That's not just my friends that look like me. And it's the same friends that come over and over. Like you should see my table on Sunday night. I am so excited. It is going to be people from all over the world that live like five miles Yeah, and and that's what's so cool about Utah but to answer your question we did um, these like table topics and so you answer a question that's like what's your favorite book and why or it's just these like little questions but it really gets the conversation going so you can have people from all different backgrounds and then you get answers that are so fabulous you could sit there for hours and just and you get to know people so well and it goes so much deeper than keeping it either just like intimate conversations one on one but it really gets the whole table involved, and it's it so is fun. super
0: fun. I, I was going to say, at first, I, I to be honest, I'm like, oh, because <laughs> I mean, it's some people I don't know, some people I did know, but right. some people when we were there, it was like, oh, there's some that I don't know, and yeah. I'm like, who am I sharing this right, <laughs> you with? Know? Right, right. But by the end, you do know them, yes. and and instead of talking about little surfacey things, yeah. We were literally deep, yeah. deep diving into totally. some. So, I mean, I think there were a few tears shed yeah. too. Oh, absolutely. And personalities right?
1: come out yeah. so much more than just typical dinner conversation. Yeah, it was beautiful. Well,
0: I want to keep talking about your passion passion project. So we'll be right back. We're back here with Kristen Andrus, my friend, and we are really excited. I'm really excited to talk about all the things that you are doing currently, um, all your philanthropy and your passion projects, which are many. So let's just start. What's top of mind right now? What are you working on?
1: Yeah, I do have a lot going on. And as um, I just want to like a disclaimer, my little asterisk at the beginning of this, if you hear philanthropy and you're like, check out like, oh, that's not me. I I don't do like philanthropy is like writing big checks. And I, I want people to know that philanthropy is has nothing to do with money everything I'm going to talk about right now and everything that I'm working on is not about me giving money to any organization. It's not about writing a check. It's about literally, and this is like a Melinda Gates quote, but it's using whatever resources you have at your fingertips and using it to change the world. And so I love that. Like, I think sometimes philanthropy seems so high and far and that it's not attainable, but all of us can give back and have philanthropy in our truly our daily lives. And so I don't want anyone checking out as we talk about this. And sometimes
0: it's we we yeah we think of the philanthropy as the money part of it but really it's service exactly. and we can all do service yes. yeah. and in whatever way and i think people always think of like these big huge projects or right. these these things when it could be taking dinner to a neighbor exactly it could be connecting with somebody in a nursing home that that hasn't seen their family like exactly whatever that yes. looks like it doesn't have to be giant yes. so i love yes. that you Season said that of
1: life and It's funny, even my mom's like, I think women are gonna, they can't do what you're doing. And I'm like, no, I know, but I couldn't either 10 years ago because I was home with all my kids. And so there's a season to everything and I'm just sharing what I'm doing and so sharing concepts. So, okay, the one I'm most excited about because it's personal um, and really one that I've started on my own because everything else I do is filling gaps around our community. But this one is also filling a gap, but it's something that I've taken on as my own. And I was sitting at a middle school in murray and we were doing uh taking frozen turkeys and throwing them in a truck and getting canned sweet potatoes and under her breath she's like this is great but what we really need are pads and tampons for our girls in schools and this aha moment of wait really that's a need and you think about it if you have food insecurity which one in 5 during covid one in 5 girls in utah in your daughter's school are food insecure they do not have enough food at home. If they don't have enough food at home, they do not have products and accessible products if they have their period. And this passion project really rose out of the fact that no one is talking about it. Yeah. My dear friend Emily McCormick has been talking about it up in the legislature but it nothing's really happened yet. And so last February, I went online and I said, hey, friends, guess what? This is an issue. Not only is it an issue in Utah, but it's an issue everywhere. And it's actually an issue across the world. And just like me, so many jaws dropped. And they said, it is. And then everyone, just like I said, of course it is, as you yeah. think about this. And as I've traveled to 100 schools and talked to 100 parents and kids the stories and the personal stories of parents not even knowing that their child has a period because they've never even asked for anything because they knew that it wasn't even a possibility. Um, it's very real. It's happening in the school near you. And so uh, it like truly is. Even my high school, I'm in a very wealthy community and my uh, high school pantry is like, we need more. Like You've dropped off, off a lot, but we're through it and we need more. Um, and so it's called Sister Goods. And I teamed up with the Utah Food Bank, who I went to, and I said, hey, what? You guys see what I'm doing online and gathering money and dropping off literally a bunch of pads and tampons in my Suburban? Like, this is not sustainable. And so they said, well, I don't know. We've never asked. And within 12 hours, they got back to me and said, this is the biggest response we've ever had in the history of the Utah Food Bank for any product we've ever tried to place. What can we do? Mm. And so I said, let's let's partner up. And they were actually um, piloting a program for them where all of the funds that we raise go directly um, to the Utah Food Bank for period products. So it's been really exciting to see the people get behind this. I had you come to one of our lunches, which meant the world to me. And just educating women um, that maybe it's $5, maybe it's doing a fundraiser in your with your PTA, maybe it's going to the local Boys and Girls Club or Head Start or Crisis Nursery, because every woman you know, across the state and world is is affected by this set that goes without in certain ways. And so it has been really amazing. There's this children's book that says, what do you do with an idea? And I tear up every time I think about it because I thought, what if I had turned a blind eye or deaf ear on that social worker that said what we really need are pads and tampons. And she said it that quietly. And then it just became this beautiful movement that so many women have gotten behind and they've been doing it on their own. So in their own schools, in their own backyards, in their own areas, they're doing sister good campaigns and fundraisers. And if they don't have the money, they're asking other people to contribute. Yeah. and do it, which has been so cool and empowering to see.
0: So great. And um, not only are you going around doing fundraisers or helping people fundraise and, and partnering, which I think, by the way, is is one of the smartest things you can do. And what we've been doing with Show Up yes. is really partnering with organizations that have the infrastructure in place. So, you know, you're not going to, yes. you know, instead of reinventing the wheel oh, of gosh. you driving around, yes. you know, that that's nuts. <laughs> yes. But, you know, the Utah food bank, this is what they do. Exactly. They distribute products. Yes. They distribute food. They distribute these things and they have a mechanism for that. And yeah. so, you know, the, I, like I say, I think it's the smartest thing you can do. Um, but also you, there's another avenue uh, uh, that you're working through too.
1: Yeah. And so this is what's so exciting. And I sat at a table with some um, women two days ago and I was the dumbest one at the table. And we were talking about policy and I I will admit because I am the first to admit my good my strengths and my weaknesses and one of my weaknesses is a lot of what I do and a lot of the gaps I fill are band aids and I'm I'm you don't have weekend food bags okay I'll be there your PTA needs help I'll be there and I'm putting band aids on problems that already exist and so my friend Emily McCormick and a bunch of other women um were already kind of doing this and so I've come on on the private side of things because we're going to be doing some fundraising but we're working on actual policy yeah. With the state of Utah, with the legislature to put pads and tampons in um, all public schools, grades six through 12. Yeah. It is a big, huge undertaking, but we are working so hard. And it's actually this magical experience of sitting around their moms, right? They're not these high, powerful women that are writing policy. It's like they're just moms that want to make a difference. They're moms who can actually go to Walgreens and buy the product that they need for their daughters, but we know that there's so many women two miles, five miles away from us that cannot do it, and we want to make real, sustainable change. So it has been eye-opening. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I'm i actually going to attend every meeting because I realize how little I know, but this is where real, I mean, this is what you do. Um, this is where real change is made, yep. and it's powerful, and I hope we succeed, and if we don't, we'll just you know keep trying. Yeah. Um, but it's the first time that I feel like I'm actually doing something that's going to last more than a weekend food bag. Yeah. Or,
0: well, I love that what you're saying, and and that's the idea of getting upstream of the yeah. problem. And and yeah. I think that's I mean that's what we try to do. Um, you know, band aids. Yeah, we need to we need those as well. Right. But, right. but we do need to look. You know look more long-term and how right. do we get ahead of some of these things? So I think it's beautiful. And I do have to say one of my dear friends in the legislature over the years, um, was representative Duckworth out in Magna, and she's, I hope you've met her. Yeah. She is amazing, yes. but she carried this yes. bill for many years. Anyway, she finally got it across and then something they repealed it anyway. Yes. So what you're doing is really important because it's again, a continuation of something I think she worked on for many years. Um and again it's talking you know not reinventing the wheel not she right. has this all in place yes there's been so much groundwork Yes, paved, and you have to give
1: your right. so much it's just unreal what people have done and and even though in the end they've still done so much even though it failed for them they've done so much for us that So then now it. you
0: can pick it up yes and and continue with it and 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 Take advantage of all the things that she, you know, and the passion she had for the project as well. So, so, so cool. And, and knowing the process is really important. And, and I think, you know, I I encourage everyone to get involved. Um, whatever you're passionate about, talk to your legislators. Totally. I mean, that people forget that you, they are accessible. And I remember Spencer when he was in the legislature, I remember him saying like, those bills that I mean, because they're passing hundreds of bills. I mean, and it's I like know. it's it's crazy. And if you have one constituent that says, "Hey, this this is really important to right. me," all of a sudden they're like, "Okay." all right, let's, let's talk about this. No, let's get into this. Your really matters.
1: Absolutely. It really does. And even sitting in one of these meetings or, sit, you know, getting to know what people are doing, it's just really neat to know the process and to know what goes into it. And I think it actually makes you more willing to reach out. It yeah. makes you more willing to get involved in the process, even if you're just listening and educating yourself. Yep, I found that because I've always thought, oh, I don't, the government, like, that's not me. I'll do the private side. You do the legislative. But now that I'm getting somewhat involved, it's it's thrilling. And I love learning and realizing that I'm the dumbest one in the room. Like, <laughs> it's actually empowering. Like, this is so cool. Look how much I'm learning at 42 years old. Yeah. How exciting. It's a whole new avenue and way of thinking and
0: it's exciting yeah i love it i love it so you have a couple other i mean this is your big one but there's some other um organizations that you're really involved in and are passionate about um one again we worked on together uh did it did a service project recently with the governor's office and his, his senior staff and cabinet, so fun. Oh. One of the coolest ones we've done ever. It was ever. so great. I was um, so yeah. grateful. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that. That
1: you guys came. So it is called the Neighborhood House, and it's kind of in the Rose Park area. And you won't know about it until you know about it. And then once you know about it, you can't believe that you didn't know all the good that they are doing in this community. And so it's before school care, um, preschool, after school care, and then they also have an adult day center, daycare. And it's so cool because there's a lot of multi-generational families there. And so not only can you not go to work because your child is at home, but you have a mother who's suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia or um, special needs. And so it is really this full team and full approach to helping these families, once again, not just Band-Aids, but helping them truly from the ground up, helping them with housing, helping them with like little issues that they have. And they really get to know these families. So it's all um, on a sliding scale. So some families are paying a little bit and some families are paying more and some are paying none at all. Um, But it's really this safety net that these families in that community have to come to and to feel loved and watched over and that parents can go and work, have an income, know that their children are taken care of, getting rides to and from school. It's really... Like Every time you go, you're just in tears at the love and concern and care that is shown by the teachers, by the staff. It's an incredible organization. I uh, ran there. I chaired their gala, which I don't know if I will ever do again. It was one of the biggest (laughs) undertakings of my entire life. I couldn't believe it. But as I got to know the kids and I sat with the kids and they told me just these little tiny bits of their life, I thought... The little things matter and these fundraisers matter. And um, it really brought it home when I am out serving, doing good, doing philanthropy, whatever that is. I always try to make it personal. I want to mm-hmm. hear a story. I want to I want to understand who am I there for. And I used to say when I'd go to a Ronald McDonald house or all these different places, like there's one person that I'm here for. And that it, during that hour or half hour or two hours, I would always try to find like, why am I here today? Mm-hmm. And I always find it. And so the day that I was there with you, like I found it. And um, I think it's kind of a fun way and to talk to your kids, too, if you're bringing them out. Um, but the neighborhood house is in amazing organization and i highly suggest you look them up they also give you a ton of ways to give back and volunteer with your family which i love
0: oh it was beautiful we asked them all the those questions like couldn't we i mean everybody that came was like okay how do i do more now yeah because you're just like this is beautiful and the facility is incredible yeah again through very very generous donations yes and um the 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 staff just couldn't be kinder they they were just amazing and yeah. the kids beautiful I, know. I mean we had we had carlos our a uh, transportation uh, cabinet member and he <laughs> was on the ground doing these little things I you know these real roller things with the kids and I mean, we just we just had a ball. Well, and that was so
1: important to you and I. Was like, we want the staff and we want your team to get to know these kids. Yeah, like this isn't about standing and learning about it. It was like we want one-on-one, we want interaction, we want we want to make this personal, so that when you get to know these kids, of course you're going to come back.
0: Yeah, like yes. right,
1: you can't yeah. not come back. And so I love that we were able to do that.
0: Yeah, and 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 sort of the I, I loved the model of of you know you have your adult day center there, I know. and then they. Obviously, right now, not as much with COVID, but hopefully post covid yes um again you're you're having these elderly folks interacting with your with the kids yes. and I mean, how beautiful is that it is
1: it is magical and it benefits everybody yeah, like little kids love it of course, the older um, men and women love it.
0: it is really, yeah, yeah, I love that part of it so cool well. Kristen, this has just been such a fun conversation and we plan to do more together. Yeah. Um, we have lots of lots of projects together with Show Up and um, we will continue to work on all these projects together. So thankful for you coming in today and sharing your story.
1: Thank you. And thank you for, you for having me on your advisory board. I love what you're doing. Your pillars as I'm going around to the community with all these organizations. I'm, I'm like, I'm on Abby's advisory board and this is one of her pillars and this fits here. Like I'm, you know... Always talking you up it. and what you're doing and I love how you're not worried about the fluff. You're like, we're gonna actually get stuff done and that's happening. I was with the road home a couple yeah. days ago and they love you. Oh. And they were just amazing. like, She it means business and I'm like, Yes, and that's why I love working alongside you and behind you and just like supporting you because i really think that you're the real deal and i appreciate all you're doing in the community because it's hard work
0: thank you and you show up day after day thank, so you, thank you thank you so much. much we we have a powerful team and and this is this is fun we're i mean this is the fun stuff yeah this this kind of work is really rewarding it's true, and actually. and yeah right yeah, okay. like actually that's true. we do the fun stuff so uh, thank you again for being thank you so this. much you can find Kristen at Kristen Andrus on Instagram and find Sister Goods at Sister Goods Giving on Instagram and The Neighborhood House at NH Utah on Instagram. Thanks for being a friend.